Notice anything different? That's right. No ad. Which means this space is available. So if you have a company or brand or product or anything really that you'd love to promote on 30 Pop, this is your chance. Just shoot me an email at the link in the show notes and I'll give you all the relevant details. Now, on to 30 Pop. Hello. Aaron. Hey, man. It's Luke. Hey, Luke. What's up, man? Hey, you're a filmmaker. So what is your favorite category in the Oscars? <laughs> if I have to pick one, let's go with the original screenplay. Okay. So I'm going to give you the five nominees for best screenplay written directly for the screen from the 63rd Annual okay. Academy Awards 1991, 30 years ago this week. Got it. I want to know who your pick would be and why. We've got Ghost. By Bruce Joel Rubin. We've got Alice by Woody Allen. Avalon by Barry Levinson. Green Card by Peter Weir. Or Metropolitan by Whit Stillman. Who's the winner in that category for you and why? I'm going to... Peter Weir is interesting because he did Sherman Show and he also did uh, Witness. And I really admire both of those. Master and Commander. And interestingly enough, I didn't know he wrote and directed Green Card until you said so. Man, thanks. I'm going to go start the episode then. Cool, man. Have fun. All right, man. We'll see you. See you, dude. From No You Media Group, this is 30 Pop. A weekly peek back at the music, movies, sports, fashion, politics, and news from 30 years ago. I'm your host, Luke Braun. This is Season 3, Episode 11, Arson, the Oscars, and a Resurrection Opera. Today we're looking back at the week that ended Saturday, March 30th, 1991. Hello friends and welcome as always to 30 Pop. We have plenty to talk about today from this week in 1991, so if you're feeling nostalgic or if you just feel like feeling nostalgic, you've come to the right place. What you may not remember from this week in 1991 was all the drama happening in the music industry. On March 24th, the Black Crows, who were quickly approaching the peak of their fame following their 1990 multi-platinum selling debut album, were booted off their tour as the opening act for rock legends ZZ Top. When the tour's sponsor, Miller Beer, took issue with frontman Chris Robinson constantly referring to the show as, quote, rock and roll with no commercial interruption, end quote, in his between-song banter with the crowd. Miller supposedly threatened them with losing the prime opening spot if the banter didn't change, and Robinson tried to call their bluff, reminding them he had no contract with them, but rather his contract was with ZZ Top. Miller wasn't bluffing, though, and did see to it that they were removed just two weeks into the three-month tour, which actually only served to bolster the young band's anti-establishment, damn-the-man image among their fans, and probably ultimately make them a lot more money. Then, three days later, on March 27, 1991... 21-year-old boy band bad boy Donnie Wahlberg was arrested on charges of first-degree arson for setting fire to the carpet of the historic Seelbach Hotel in Louisville, Kentucky during an all-night party with fans and fellow bandmate Danny Wood. Wahlberg was facing up to 20 years in prison for the drunken stunt until the felony charge was reduced to misdemeanor criminal mischief and then dismissed altogether in exchange for his participation in a series of public service videos about fire safety, drug abuse, and drunk driving. It's so hard to imagine how many film and TV detectives wouldn't exist today if Wahlberg had been forced to spend those 20 years in prison. 
Actually, I counted. Of the 35 characters listed in his Wikipedia acting credits, at least 12 of them are detectives. Now, I've never seen him in any of those roles, but I will say, I have seen him in Wahlburgers, and I've seen him in concert, and I'm convinced that he would be very fun to hang out with, regardless of whether or not he's setting anything on fire. In other music news, there were almost no changes at the top of the Billboard charts we track on this show, with Mariah Carey holding strong on the Billboard 200 with her self-titled debut album. Clint Black was number one once again on the Hot Country chart with his song Loving Blind. Main Source had the top rap song with Looking at the Front Door, and High Five still had the number one song on the hot R&B and hip-hop chart with I Like the Way, The Kissing Game. The only chart that changed was the Hot 100, where Timmy T's One More Try was replaced by Gloria Estefan's Coming Out of the Dark. There were also a few album releases from this week in 1991 with varying degrees of notability. Most notable among them was Bob Dylan, The Bootleg Series Volumes 1 through 3, a collection of rare and unreleased recordings celebrating Dylan's first three decades in the music industry. That was, obviously, 30 years ago, and he's still going today. How crazy is that? Also released on the same day, March 26, 1991, was the original motion picture soundtrack for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, A Secret of the Ooze, which was less critically acclaimed, to say the very least. One particularly harsh review from a music publication in the UK rated the album a 1 out of 5 and described it as despicable, saying, quote, Every kind of dance music has been drugged and sodomized into submission until it becomes anodyne and trite enough to accompany the weakest of children's parties. Which mostly just makes me want to never attend a children's party in the UK. But I get it. The soundtrack from the original TMNT film a year earlier was so, so good. This one was, quite simply, not. The other album release worth mentioning this week in 1991 was the third studio album by Swedish pop duo Roxette entitled Joyride. This was the best-selling album of the band's extraordinarily long career, which would likely still be going but for lead singer Marie Fredrickson's passing in December of 2019 after a nearly 15-year battle with a malignant brain tumor. Joyride sold over 11 million copies worldwide on the heels of the band's highly successful 1988 breakout album Look Sharp, which sold over 9 million copies worldwide. In sports-ish news this week in 1991, on March 24th, we saw WrestleMania 7, which pitted Hulk Hogan against Sergeant Slaughter in the main event, which Hogan won predictably. The whole thing was weirdly political, as in an attempt to return to the World Wrestling Federation a year or two earlier after a long hiatus from the promotion, Slaughter was invited back as a heel who, despite his backstory of being a hyper-patriotic Vietnam vet in full marine fatigues, had become a sympathizer with Iraq in their recently ended war with the U.S. The whole storyline was laced with xenophobic undertones and the worst kind of patriotism, and actually proved to be fairly dangerous for Robert Remus, who played the character of Sergeant Slaughter, as he received a number of death threats and began requiring a bulletproof vest and heightened security everywhere he went. Anyway, 
Hogan won and reclaimed the WWF heavyweight title, and I suppose all was right in the world. In television 30 years ago this week, soap opera fans were shocked when Days of Our Lives character Marlena Evans, portrayed by actress Deidre Hall, returned to the series four years after being kidnapped and supposedly killed in a plane crash. This was Hall's first departure and subsequent return to the series, in which she began portraying Dr. Evans in June of 1976. With this return, she remained on the series until 2009, when she departed again briefly before returning to the role once again in 2011, where she remains today, 10 years later. She has, to date, appeared in nearly 4,600 of the series' more than 14,000 episodes. Remarkable. In Hollywood this week in 1991, we had the same number one film at the box office as last week, and, well, next week. So maybe I won't linger on it after all. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. I loved it then, or liked it anyway, but unlike its predecessor, it has not aged well. I guess you could say it aged very poorly very quickly. It got old fast. The original, however, I can and do still enjoy thoroughly and semi-regularly. The big movie news, though, this week was that of the 63rd Annual Academy Awards, as I mentioned in the opening call with my new friend Aaron. Not to be confused with 30 Pop regular Aaron Hale, who is also a filmmaker, and who is actually the reason I know new Aaron. Whatever. Anyway, the Oscars. This was honestly a killer year for the Oscars, with some major films in the mix. The biggest winner for the evening was Dances with Wolves, which won Best Picture, Best Cinematography, Best Editing, Best Original Score, Best Adapted Screenplay, and for which Kevin Costner won Best Director and was nominated for Best Actor, which he lost to Jeremy Irons for his role in Reversal of Fortune. Dances with Wolves was also nominated in at least four other categories. Impressive. I think the only one of its wins that I disagree with is for Best Original Score, where it was nominated alongside Home Alone, the music for which is perfect from start to finish. Other movies that got lots of Oscar attention in 1991 included Goodfellas, Ghost, The Godfather Part 3, Awakenings, Pretty Woman, Dick Tracy, and Edward Scissorhands. Honestly, I just wish they could all win. So much nostalgia contained in that list. Anyway, that pretty much does it for this week, friends. Thank you, as always, for listening. I hope you'll join me again next week for more. Until then, in the words of Stands with a Fist, my place is with you. I go where you go. 30 Pop is produced, edited, and mixed by me, Luke Bronner. Our artwork is by the amazing Heather Hale. To check out more shows from Mill U Media Group, visit millumedia.com, which is linked in the show notes for this episode. And if you have a story from 30 years ago that you want to share, leave a message on the answering machine at 30pop.com. 